Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman, and today we're going to talk about anti-Christian discrimination here in Canada. Now, Aaron, in broad strokes, could you describe for our listeners what you see as the general ethos of Canada and maybe specifically Ontario in this regard? Well, I, I know people like labels and we we like to sort of understand different periods of time and history with different descriptions. And there was a time, as we've mentioned before, that Canada was a Christianized nation, not, not mm-hmm. a Christian nation because there's always been non-Christians. And the church is separate from the state, but we've been a Christianized nation, meaning that we've upheld the rule of law and acknowledged the supremacy of God. And many of our laws are based upon ancient biblical law. Uh, We've been through a period of time over the last couple decades, maybe generation, generation and a half, where it's been more of a post-Christian nation. But now it's very clearly becoming an anti-Christian nation. And you know, this should concern us. And there's lots of evidence pointing us in that direction, both in, in Ontario and Alberta and across our country. So what would be maybe some examples or where you've seen the, in the inequity of law being played out? And maybe you could talk to that as an example of the anti-Christian discrimination. Well, we have something in Ontario called the Reopening Ontario Act. And if you're in other provinces, you would have similar acts and I believe similar circumstances revolving around the application of those acts, which are law. So we have the Reopening Ontario Act, and this is the act that has all the do's and don'ts in it, mostly don'ts, pertaining to how you can act, how you can meet, how many people can meet, stay-at-home orders, government's emergency powers, et cetera. And depending on what phase or stage, to keep changing the language or color we're in, there's certain things you can do or can't do. So the Reopening Ontario Act, for example, says under a certain stage, you know, you can only have 10 people in church and then Mm -hmm. it loosens it up to 15% or 25% or 30%. And then we have um, the gathering limits for for outdoors. So you can have, you know, X number of people meeting outside and you have to practice social distancing and wearing masks, et cetera. So these, uh, these laws are being abided by, by most churches. So I'm going to call them the compliant churches. Most churches are compliant with the ROA, the Reopening mm-hmm. Ontario Act. And some churches on principle are not compliant. So they, they refuse to comply for various reasons, but the most central reason is they don't see that the state should have authority over gathering limits or the celebration of the sacraments or the ordinances, for example, in Christian churches. But what we're seeing is while churches are being, I would say, disproportionately targeted, primarily because of public complaints and complaints from other churches, believe it or not, um, churches have been fined, some pastors have received received summonses to court to account for their noncompliance, whereas in the broader public, we have... Instance after instance after instance after instance where other groups are allowed to gather with thousands upon thousands of people or officials 
willfully break the law and no one gets charged for it. So this would be an example, like uh, recent examples. We've had some very significant marches that have gone on and maybe you can actually, maybe you wanted to share some of these examples of these violations that you've seen. Uh, yeah. So, on. so not, notwithstanding whether I agree with them or don't agree with the cause, okay, notwithstanding yep. that we've been told for months now that when people gather in large settings, congregate settings, they're super spreader events. The virus goes nuts. So these are very strictly regulated. It's very strictly regulated. So how many people are we allowed to have outdoors right now? Uh, 25, good, 25, I think, I think so. Home. Yep. And uh, perhaps larger groups for churches. I'm, I'm not even entirely sure about that. Cause just the, for, yeah. And just for our U.S. listeners, I was a little confused this past week because we entered step two and I thought now finally we could have indoor dining. Apparently we still in Ontario oh, really? cannot have okay. indoor dining. Yeah. So just, we might sound almost uneducated on this show, but the, the problem is these things change so often and the language changes. You're in a stage, then you're in a step, then you're in a color code. Like you probably, it's practically a full-time job to try to keep up with everything that's going on. But um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples. Uh, and, by, and by the way, just, just to kind of make it real personal in Ontario, uh, I know of pastors and churches that have been summoned uh, as recently as this week or had court injunctions put on them or the pastors that have had court, court injunctions put on them in Windsor, Leamington, Wheatley, Elmer, Ingersoll, Woodstock, Tilsonburg, Waterloo, Alliston, Toronto, Peterborough, and then in other parts of our country, notably in Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton, there's a church out in Nova Scotia that are being targeted and um, threatened and fined. So it's, it's happening everywhere. It's not just us. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're not just raising the yellow flag for our benefit, mm -hmm. caution flag for our benefit. It's happening all over the place. But during these lockdowns or stay at home orders, we have instances going right back to last year. So in June of last year, Justin Trudeau broke the Emergency Management and Civil Protection Act, which is like a sister act to the Reopening Ontario Act. And he participated in a BLM rally in, uh, in Ontario, in the mm -hmm. province of Ontario. He should have been charged for breaking the law, but he did it with immunity. Then he did so again in June of this year alongside London's Mayor Ed Holder and Ontario's Premier Doug Ford at a gathering that's reported to have over 15,000 people to mourn the tragic loss of a family of four that was run over. Um, Doug Ford last year, he's up at his cottage when he's telling everybody not to. He has his daughters over a contrary to the Emergency Measures Act. This is last year. No fines issued. Again, these are the, he's not even functioning in, in his capacity as a premier. It's mm -hmm. not even, you can't even say, well, it's, Political immunity. No, no, it's him as a private citizen going to his cottage, having his girls over while no one else is allowed to do that. Our Windsor police chief here in Windsor, Ontario, our mayor violated the Emergency Management Protection Act by participating in the BLM rally with 2,000 people here last June. Um, then, you know, the story broke last December of Ontario's finance minister at the time, Rod Phillips, vacationing in the Caribbean when everyone's supposed to be home 
And then we were like, okay, well, we're out of the woods now. So January, February, March, there wasn't so much of that going on. But now it's just everywhere. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, Doug Ford. This is shocking. He takes the Reopening Ontario Act and quickly inserts, this is under Schedule 4 of the Act, a little statement in there, Section 1, that basically says, oh, you can have the Islamic vigil in London, Ontario, uh, contrary to the act. So instead of having 10 or 15 or 25 or 100 people, no, no, no. We're, we're going to allow 15,000 people to gather. Mm-hmm. After all, viruses, they don't attend funeral vigils, right? Mm-hmm. So that happened. It's just, it's not even like, oh, you're allowed 25, we'll allow 30 in. Mm-hmm. No, we're, we'll, you're allowed at the time 10 or 15 or 25. Oh, we'll let... Thousands upon thousands of people attend. Uh, there was um, a lesbian march in Toronto in June. They call it a, a dyke march on Young Street. The police provided a little escort behind a couple hundred people marching down the streets to promote their agenda. And when the Toronto police were asked, why wasn't anybody fined? And I quote, this is right from the Toronto Star article. The, the Toronto police official says, we can't answer that. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, the cancel Canada Day protests taking place re, uh, in June and early July, where protesters are protesting the um, tragedy in the residential school, which is sort of back in the media, but this is a hundred year old issue, right? Mm-hmm. Where these abandoned graveyards are suddenly being rediscovered. Mm-hmm. Well, what's crazy about that, by the way, you talk about we've talked about cultural Marxism on our show before. The Canada Day, a cancel Canada Day protests designated these protests to protest the lives of Indigenous children that have been live, whose lives have been lost, but also Black people, immigrants, mm-hmm. women, and trans lives lost. Like, what does that have to do with the residential schools? Mm-hmm. Well, you you take you take um, Indigenous people out of the equation, take Black people out of the equation take migrants out of the equation, take women out of the equation, take transgenders out of the equation. All you have left is white men, essentially. Mm -hmm. So this is all part of the cultural Marxist agenda. That's a little sidebar. But then we have the indigenous uh, protests in Toronto this month in July of 2020, over 10,000. They said the number exceeded the BLM rallies last year. Over 10,000 people Mm -hmm. in London, Ontario to honor the deaths. Now, folks, just to be super clear, as I've said multiple times, but you got to repeat yourself sometimes. It's important. I'm not cold-hearted. I'm not saying these things should or should not happen. I'm looking at this from a legal perspective. This is very clearly the inequitable, meaning unfair, unequal application of a law. Mm-hmm. It's not even debatable. And if you're a member of a BLM protest group or you're a member of an indigenous protest group or a pride group, you should be actually helping us in our cause if you're actually concerned about justice by saying, yeah, we may not agree with these Christians. We may not be much into church, but we understand that, you know, you're, you're giving us a pass and you're not giving them a pass. So it's, it's very clear. It's not mm-hmm. even debatable. Mm-hmm. I don't care where you stand in the virus, vaccines, or who you vote for what country you're from, 
This is 100% anti-Christian, anti-church discrimination. It's the Reopening Ontario Act being forcibly applied against churches and pastors, and I'll add to that some small business owners, mm-hmm. while you're giving a pass to all the other so uh, special interest groups. And of course, there's reasons why this is the case, as we know. Mm-hmm. So what, I guess the the natural next question in my mind is what conclusions do you actually draw from this inequitable treatment? What are, what are some of the big picture things that you're thinking? Yeah. So, um, you know, as you think about assessing and analyzing what you're seeing, there's, there's some like irrefutable ironclad conclusions that every thoughtful person should be able to draw from what we're witnessing in our, our province. And again, by extension across our country. So these aren't partisan statements. These are just clear, obvious conclusions that any sensible person must deduct from this inequitable application of the reopening Ontario act. The first one would be that the officials in their response to this epidemic clearly are being driven by political considerations Mm -hmm. clearly yep to what degree 10 percent 20 percent 50 percent 99 percent whatever clearly they're being drawn driven by political considerations this is not don't let anybody tell you we're just listening to the experts in science that's that's garbage there's there's no way anybody in their right mind can argue that anymore because when you have one major exception to the rules being given, well, then the whole system, the whole house of cards falls apart. If you're telling me at a particular point in time, I can only have 10 people in my church, but we can have 15,000 in London at an Islamic vigil. Well, then you you know right there, it's not about the science. Mm -hmm. It's just not about the science. Not only that, but we've seen over the last few months over and over and over again, medical experts from various various fields, variety of fields, coming out saying, even the former chief medical officer of Ontario saying, this is not the right way forward. Right. Like, so you have you have medical experts, scientists saying, this is not right. Yeah, add that to the the censorship of physicians that speak out. So this this is why you get these people. Well, I don't understand why are people concerned, hesitant? Why is there vaccine hesitancy? Why are there why are people not wearing masks? I mean, it's simple to throw a mask on. Well, because common sense people are looking at it, and it's not hard to see. Okay, well, of course I'm going to be hesitant to respond to your supposed quote unquote medical advice when you're haphazard in your application of your own rules. Like, of course I I don't want to be duped. I don't want to be you know jerked back and forth by political considerations. Mm-hmm. I have respect for physicians, but I'm not I'm not interested in biopolitics. So that's a first conclusion we can draw. The second one is we are literally being governed by corrupt officials who care not for the equitable application of either the Reopening Ontario Act or Charter Law. Mm-hmm. It's corruption at its finest in Ontario, Canada. The land of the free, right? And uh Supposedly into the, the supremacy of God. It's corruption. It's mm-hmm. it's a corrupt. It's laws for thee, not for me. Mm-hmm. It's corrupt. And then the third is we are living in an anti-Christian state where opportunists are eager to punish churches who disobey their edicts, but they're not eager to punish 
Marxists. They're not interested in punishing people that stand up for other just causes or appropriate causes. They're not. They're targeting Christians. Mm -hmm. And again, to a lesser extent, small business owners, because, you know, the big box stores have the lion's share of the work and the small business owners are like, you know, tossed to the side. So again, whether you are a socialist, a communist, you know, pro-democratic, a libertarian, a classic liberal, whatever you might be, you can't deny those three conclusions. They're undeniable. The evidence is ironclad and it's right before us that that's the situation we find ourselves in. Let's say, and this is kind of um, just an interesting thought experiment, but let's say things, people don't push back. People just kind of go along with it, go along to get along. Where do you see this going? What's kind of like the big picture? Where do you see this going long-term? We've you know moved from a Christianized society to a post-Christian, to an anti-Christian, to a what, what next? Yeah. Well, you don't have to be a prophet. You just study history. And when you have this kind of stuff taking place in a culture, you, you move in, you very quickly move into a, to, a totalitarian regime. And we saw that in Europe, it's, the circumstances are very different. The culture's different. It's, you know, a hundred years later, totalitarianism is going to increase the, you know, officials already have this notion that you know, it's a democracy on election day only. And then after that, they just do whatever they want. And they pass the buck. I was on the phone with, I think, four or five, maybe five different politicians today challenging the fact that the old colony churches in Chatham-Kent just this week received um, what's called a court injunction, which is the first step to close locking their churches because they're not complying with the 25% numbers purportedly. And again, the same week, right, or the same month where thousands of people are there and thousands of people are there and you're allowed to do this and allowed to do that. Like, it's it's ridiculous. So you have tyranny. You're going to target the people you think are soft. The old colony church, they're not much into, like, political activism. So mm-hmm. they're easy targets, right? They're also, a lot of them are immigrants. So, well, we target the immigrant communities. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So I see this as um, a failure of democracy, it's a movement towards soft totalitarianism. I do have a problem personally, not with notwithstanding the charter rights that I would grant to the BLMers and the indigenous rights groups and that, not, notwithstanding the fact that I, I give them a green light to protest, these movements without question are tied to cultural Marxism mm-hmm. in my viewpoint. I, th- I think it's pretty obvious. If you're a cultural Marxist, that'll make you happy. They're tied to cultural Marxism. I mean, when you when you permit, as I've already illustrated, an indigenous rights thing to suddenly, you know, we're mourning the loss of 215 kids that were discovered. Okay, then you're adding to it the transgenders. Come on, the women, mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter. Come on, folks. Like, this is anti-patriarchy. This is anti-white hatred. This is anti-European, i.e. anti-Christian in the last 500 years movement. And it's all designed and people are just following along with the bandwagon, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I see this as getting worse if we don't stand up. But if I, I think there are some solutions, we need to talk about that. I think there's are solutions that that every sort of significant player in society can take to help bring about lasting change. 
So those solutions is a good next spot to go in terms of, okay, what are the solutions? Cause that's everybody listens and they're thinking, what do I do about this other than run for the hills? Maybe yeah. that's one of your solutions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about citizens first. So citizens need to demand that the officials that represent them. So an elected officials, mm-hmm. they're our employee. They're our representative. They're not above us. They're our representative. They're representing. It's like you got 10,000 people. You select one person to be your voice. So the citizens um, need to speak to their pol- political leaders and tell them this is clear anti-religious or anti-Christian discrimination And even if you don't feel comfortable with that, point this out. Remember this language. It's the inequitable application of law. It's the unfair application of law. So that's a place for uh, citizens to start. So then that's great. Citizens, we know several police officers have found themselves in tough challenges throughout this whole uh, debacle. What would you advise for people in police? Well, police need to do a better job in, you know, being fair. So I, I know that there's a lot of good police officers out there that don't want anything to do with this. But you you can't be, the, the, the primary excuse that, so here, here's my perception, the average Ontario police officer. I don't want anything to do with this. I don't want anything to do with it. I want to issue tickets. I'm not interested in this. But if I get a call, if I get a complaint, I have to act. You're putting me in an awkward position. That's what we're hearing over and over and over again. Well, that's fine for you, but it doesn't work for us. So how about you either ticket absolutely every single group and every single person or stop ticketing people, period. But you can't, you can't be unfair and discriminatory about it. Mm-hmm. You, you can't be knowingly aware of 10,000 people meeting in London or 3,000 meeting in Brantford or 15,000 meeting in London or whatever And just turn your car around and drive off to the proverbial donut store. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that doesn't work. And then the next Sunday, you know, ABC Baptist Church, you get a call from an irate neighbor. Oh, sorry, bud. Sorry, Pastor Bob. We got a ticket anyway. Mm -hmm. No, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Or what you do is you lose the respect of the citizens. You lose the respect of the citizens. You make yourself look look, look look like pawns of the state. And police officers are, yes, they are essentially paid by the citizenry to do the job, but they're also sworn to uphold and protect the charter. So at some point you can't, you, the, the, ex, frankly, I think the excuse while well, we're just responding to public complaints is getting a little old. No, you're not responding to public complaints. You're responding selectively to public complaints. Mm-hmm. When I was charged last week, I received the charge last week for speaking at a Christian church service in, in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Nobody called you driving by, oh, there's Aaron Rock up there. No, you guys were set up. The the Waterloo police were set up across the street mm-hmm. with their cameras, with their team. They they took pictures. They took video. Then they identified me. Then probably looked at my driver's license to confirm it. And then sent me a court summons. So mm-hmm. they don't tell me you're responding to complaints. You're targeting me. Mm-hmm. The Waterloo Police Department in Ontario, Canada targeted Aaron Rock as a minister of the gospel to issue him a court summons, and they did not target the BLM protesters last year. In fact, they marched with them. Exactly. So it's, like it's the exact opposite. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. In violation, 
of, of that act. So, um, under greater viral threat, less vaccinations, less like it's, it was a worse situation. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to public officials? If you could get, I think you've called quite a few, but if you got a public official that's like leaning in and says, Hey, what, what would you recommend for me? I'm maybe I'm a Christian office or I'm interested in liberty and freedom. Well, the first thing I would say to the, about public officials is charge them. Charge Justin Trudeau, charge Doug Ford, charge Rod Phillips, charge Ed Holder, charge Drew Dilkins, charge Pam Mizuno, charge these officials or withdraw all the charges that they've given to others and repay us our court fees, our lawyer fees. So charge them. So the public officials should also be charged for each and every violation, if we're going to be fair, each and every violation of the Reopening Ontario Act. And don't even try to pull this political immunity stunt, which is what people, oh, they're political, it's in their office. No, 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 no. A lot of these folks are acting in their capacity as individuals. And even then, these are not, if, if there's mass deaths in our province, people are dropping dead left, right, and center. Who do you think you are as a public official attending a mass gathering and mm -hmm. potentially killing people? Mm -hmm. Maybe you should be charged with murder. Or, or attempted murder. How, how about that for a charge? How about we charge Doug Ford with attempted murder by deliberately attending a rally where he could be transmitting a virus and killing a lot more than four people? Oh, well, we don't want to do that. That's kind of extremist. It's fair. Um, to, pub to public officials in particular, though, I would say if you failed to speak out or you've been active participants in the discriminatory application of a law, you have three options. You should repent, you should resign, or we're not going to reelect you. Three R's. There we go. <laughs> I don't know if you meant to do that, <laughs> but yes. Okay, media. Uh, media has been, um, well, there's, there's good journalism, there's bad journalism. What would you say to media? Well, I just like the old-fashioned journalism. This happened on this date. Here's what happened. Here's why, blah, blah, blah. Here's a couple interview snippets. End of story. Report the facts. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the journalists and media have acted. They have posted articles. Um, you know, they've they've gone Trinity Bible Church. They, um, you know, they went out in interviewing people who are, you know, Christians who are opposed to Tr Trinity Bible Chapel's actions. Looking up the pastor's past sermons. Oh, he spoke out against the gay pride. Mm -hmm. This kind of stuff. Like you're you're trying to create uh, a caricature of the man a one-sided mm -hmm. caricature of the man that he's some sort of a lunatic, you know, down here we have, um, you know, local media personality calls me a liar on, on public radio. Uh, we have media people out front, you know, they're, they're not wearing mad. They don't, they don't, they never ask you why or what your purposes are. It's, it's all the, the titillating stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's negative. And then they, you know, they run over to the health minute, health uh, director, Dr. Ahmed. Oh, what do you think? Oh, please, please tell these people to stop. Please, please mm -hmm. tell them to stop. You know, headlines. He's begging them, please stop. Well, I don't, I didn't hear him begging people to please stop at the BLM rallies. I didn't hear him begging the Islamic community to stay home and stay safe during the killings in, in London. He's not begging them, begging us, right? So just stop it. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be uh, if you're gonna be have any sort of uh, respect, uh, any sort of objectivity, 
you need to say nothing or say the exact same thing every single time without fail. It's like good parenting. You don't give five rules to one kid, one rule to another kid, and eight to another and say, well, too bad. You have to be equitable about it. Mm-hmm. So, and then w- with public officials, I would say specifically to those who are in the medical profession, well, stop buckling to public pressure. It's very clear that the protocols you're putting in place are primarily driven by public opinion. <laughs> it's pretty mm-hmm. clear. Mm-hmm. No masks. Okay, maybe you should wear masks. Okay, you got to wear masks. Okay, wear two masks. Okay, one mask. Okay, N95 masks. Okay, cloth masks, minute of an old t-shirt will do. Like, come on, people. Uh, A high school graduate knows enough about, you know, biology and viral spread to know that an old t-shirt isn't going to stop a virus. So when it comes to the law, give us the science. Give me the science we've been asking. I'll, I'll, I'll ask again, you know, on, a, on this publicly available podcast. I want, from the Windsor-Essex Community Health Unit, I want a peer-reviewed article from someone without political liability proving to me the efficacy of cloth masks. Prove it. Mm-hmm. Just give it to me. Put it in my hands. And then take some liability for it. Take responsibility for it. You want me to take responsibility for my people? Take responsibility for it. Notice how we've never asked for that. We've never received that, but we've just sort of assumed that, you know, the cloth masks are going to fix everything. Meanwhile, you can can contract the virus through your eyes, et cetera. Nobody's mandating goggles, at least in public. (laughs) I know they do it at this local college. But um, the, 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 the charade is up. The games have to stop. Let's be objective about this. That's what I would say to, um, you know, public officials. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about fairness, the place we should see fairness displayed at the greatest level would be in the courts. That's where you would expect it. But what do you have to say to the courts? Well, everyone's hoping for that. I mean, if you had a dollar for every time someone said, oh, the tickets are going to get thrown out. Well, well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Mm -hmm. But we hope to. If we had a if we had a just court uh, that was doing its job, we hope we hope that it will. The courts must take into consideration the inequitable application of the Reopening Ontario Act and other such laws across Canada against churches, and they must weigh that against the public and blatant violation of this act by citizens on mass and politicians. They have to. And really what they should do is dismiss all the charges against the accused. Dismiss them all. If you're going to be equitable and just, Mm -hmm. dismiss them all. But my lawyer friend, you know, she was concerned because when she brought this to the attention of a justice, they just kind of made a comment, well, you're playing schoolyard politics. You know, it's like, don't be a baby about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't be a baby about it. Like you're, you're talking about people whose livelihoods and money are on the line and public reputations have been trashed, being fined exorbitant amounts and threatened with jail time when nobody politician who's no better than you or me is allowed to do whatever he or she wants. I don't think so. This is not the country that that we signed up for. Mm-hmm. Just to let our listeners know, how many charges are you standing at right now? 
I have four outstanding charges. Um, so I have two charges, court summonses, which, you know, these, these by the way, carry up to a $100,000 fine and a year in prison. So, so that'd be four kinda, years prison? Yeah, you just do the math. Potentially? Right? Yeah. So I've been charged five times. One was dismissed because it was a case of mistaken identity. <laughs> but I have two. I've been charged twice for holding church services in my facility. Mm-hmm. I've been charged once for speaking at a church service outside. And I've been charged once for speaking at a protest protesting the fact mm-hmm. <laughs> that churches are being charged and businesses are being closed and there's the inequitable application of the law. So it's like, yeah, you, you preach in your church, they charge you. Okay. You go outside, they charge you. Okay. You protest the fact you've been charged, they charge you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really is tyrannical. Um, none of these cowards have called me. None of these mm-hmm. cowardly politicians. I haven't been called by the mayor. I haven't been called by the premier. I haven't been called by, uh, anyone that's complicit in this. I mean, it's a little disgusting too, where you live in a country. The last time, the last summons I got last week, I was actually pretty furious because I'm thinking, are you serious? You you give me a form in my mailbox that there's a registered package for me at the post office. Hmm. So I'd get in my car, drive to the post office to pick up a package and it's a summons you know, from the Ontario court. No police officer's names on it. It's just signed by the justice of the peace. So it's not like anybody came up to me at the Waterloo church service and said, Hey, I'm constable so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. No, I don't know who was there. Just a bunch of masked, masked, nameless police officers standing at a different distance, mm-hmm. taking pictures. And then, you know, you get, you don't even get a hand delivered summons. You get it in the mail in that, in that case. And then you're supposed to show up to zoom court where you can't even stand before your accuser. Where are the two or three witnesses? It's all distance. It's all technology, right? It's it's a pretty pretty atrocious, disgusting, dehumanizing process is what I would call it. Hmm. And I think it's important for our listeners to just remember that because maybe many of them are sitting not fined, not facing prison time. And so for a lot of them, the, uh, the, immediate, the urgency of the moment is kind of dying away as the restrictions are loosening enough that it's somewhat bearable. I mean, I talk to my neighbors, unbelieving neighbors that um, quite frankly are just done with this. They're not paying attention to the rules anyways. No, um, most people aren't. So kind of society has moved on, even though there's still injustice going on yeah. and still short. Cho- yeah. Church is still being fined today. Until you're um, de- declared to be innocent and by the, you're supposed to be innocent before you're declared guilty, but the media has declared you to be guilty until you're declared to be innocent. There's still an outstanding issue of justice here. Mm-hmm. So what would you say kind of in closing to our listeners, what's some biblical advice for how we process this? It's kind of getting old, but it's at the same time, very urgent and important. Well, we don't really have any other good option besides persistence and grit. I'm thinking of the parable of the persistent widow before the judge in um, Luke 18, where you know, there's some injustices that are taking place and the text tells us that there's a judge that didn't fear God or respect man. (laughs) Doesn't that sound a little familiar? I was going to say that might be (laughs) exactly. (laughs) And um, the widow kept coming to him for justice against her, her adversary. And he just kind of blew her off, blew her off, blew her off, but she was persistent. 
And after a while, because of her persistence, we'll call it her grit, he just says, yeah, I don't fear God. I don't respect man, but okay, I'll give you what you want. And I think we need that. We need to keep pestering, keep bothering, keep protesting, keep pushing back, keep writing. The, um, you know, we're, we're thankful that Grace Life is reopened in um, Edmonton, outside of Edmonton. We're thankful that Pastor Tim Stevens is out of jail back in his church in Calgary. Uh, we still have two locked churches in Ontario. Uh, we still have many pastors holding little stacks of court summonses and tickets. We still have business owners like the Family Kitchen in Leamington with umpteen dozen tickets. So these are issues of justice and inequality. It's the unfair, inequitable application of a law. Uh, personally, I think the law itself is unjust and unnecessary. But let's say it was just and necessary. It's still inequitably applied, which should concern us. It's not fair. And uh, the word for that in society is it's discriminatory. So when you are going to discriminate against people, um, well, then you're guilty of discrimination. Mm -hmm. And there's clear discrimination. People might not like it. You might try to excuse your way around it. We're not talking about whether you're pro-lockdown or not. We're not talking about whether you're pro-vax or not. We're not talking about whether you think the virus is killing lots of people. We're not talking about that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that every citizen should concern him or herself when there's laws for some that aren't applied to all. This mm -hmm. is not the way societies work that are healthy, that expect to last. And if it doesn't change, bad things are going to happen in our country. And the tyrants are going to rule. And you might not be suffering this runaround. You may be a compliant, but there's a... The precedent's been set. If the government and officials think they can get away with it, well, they'll come after you when some other crisis or issue arises in culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two things I'm thinking as you just say that is the one we we uh, fight against injustice all the time, not just when it's you know injustice against us. And I think people are realizing that more and more. And then also just pacing ourselves in terms of being persistent. Don't bury your head in this stuff seven days a week, twenty four seven put time to it. I yeah, don't know if you have any, that's a temptation, <laughs> especially in a social media world where you're yeah. kind of logging in always um, kind of, I think your message is preached at our church a few weeks ago about Sabbath keeping and just, you know, shutting off for a day in some ways or focusing at day more on worship uh, was a helpful reminder in that regard. But yeah, thank you for that. It's good. Well, just a reminder again to our listeners, we are on CJXC radio. That's Canada's constant Christian companion, uh, 11 a.m. on Tuesdays and 11 p.m. on Thursdays, as well as on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. Uh, you can download their app as well as find a growing list of other podcasts there. Uh, and so head over to Fight, Laugh, Feast. You can just type it into your uh, your search bar and you'll find it there leadership now and just want to say thanks aaron appreciate the time you've put into this and sharing with us today and for those listening if you've enjoyed it please share it rate it and subscribe so that you are sure to get next week's episode as well and we will see you then with another episode of leadership now with dr aaron rock 